And also from my side, warm welcome. It's great to have you all here. The last time we did a Capital Market Day was in Stockstadt, near Darmstadt. I think it's much cooler to do that here because that's our main facility. And um, actually, oh, that's something. There we go. Um, before uh, really going into the first part of the presentation, I would like to just start here with a lot of pride, actually, because we when we look back at the last uh, three years, we can see that we achieved quite some track record, um, starting from 2020, uh, where obviously due to the COVID situation, the main top line was down, we produced uh, uh, very few engines, and uh, second half of the year was a big struggle, with minus 6% margin, minus 75 million euro EBIT, so um, that was a really, really tough year. But then we dug ourselves out of that dark, so to speak, and. Um, particular uh, from 21 to 22 we uh, doubled the margin we brought uh, the top line up to 2 billion euro revenue in 22 um, and uh, let's also look at the first half year of, of 23 now um, well, well the top line was more than 1 billion euro and margin was uh, more than 6% so we can proudly say that is actually the best performance Deutz has delivered in the last 10 to 15 years but obviously past is one thing present and future is something else, so we'll talk much more about the present and the future than about the past, but I think that's a good starting point in, the, uh, in, the, in today's Capital Market Day. And very important for us as well, um, we wanted to gain or maybe saying regain confidence on the capital market, and um, I think we've shown that we did that, we delivered our guidance uh, in 21, we met, we met the promises, we delivered the guidance we gave in 22, and we're actually very uh, optimistic that we're also delivering and meeting the guidance we gave for the current fiscal year. Um, so that should be a starting point to give you, but us, all of us together, confidence that we are on the right track. Where we're here now is um, the innovation center of Deutz, and that's why I think it's a great thing to build sort of the bridge between the the present, well, the past, the present, and the future, because just next door here, and you see that here on that grayish, uh, white, grayish, large building, that's where our assembly lines are located, where we produce uh, pretty much 80% of our engines on an annual basis, and uh, Peter will talk about operations later. So just next door is the core of our operations, uh, not only in Germany, but worldwide. And uh, here, this is the innovation center, that's a fairly recent addition and a lot of fresh ideas have been developed here. Uh, our teams, particularly our green teams, are meeting here uh, often discussing developing ideas to, um, and that's why it shows uh, innovation and uh, the presence is very close to each other and I think that's great that we'll have this meeting here, this Capital Market Day today in our innovation center. Um, again, I said we're not going to talk too much about the past, we're going to talk more about the future, but one thing we would like to uh, mentioned at the very beginning, and that's about the outlook for the current year. Because we also sensed that after we uh, informed on the half-year result, there was a little bit of disappointment uh, by, by the investors, a little bit of a level of cautiousness on what is the outlook for the second half of the year, in particular going into 24. And that's why we want to give some, some more detail on the order intake development. And um, it's a very busy, uh, busy page here, and I'm not going to go through all the details, but one important aspect, I mean, we look at our business in the three regions, EMEA, Americas, and Asia, and then we look at across the application fields, ag agri, construction, material handling, and stationary equipment. And if you look at EMEA, um, it's a 
strong growth over the last uh, uh, 12 months. And there was particular construction equipment uh, in Q4 22, a bit of a peak in order intake. And that was, um, and Marcus will later uh, I'll talk about that also, that was uh, particular due to our fixed volume program where we actually offered our customers to pre-secure business for this year, in particular for sub four liter, because in sub four liter, the demand was exceeding supply strongly and that led to construction companies in Europe pre-ordering and that's where we have that peak in Q4 and then Q1, Q2 is still on a very high level but obviously not meeting that peak in uh, that peak of, Q of Q4. So let's say quarter over quarter we saw some we saw some down but um, in the general trend is actually very healthy and also the outlook for the second half of 23 in construction equipment is on the same level on the same very high level. America's a similar picture uh, also, that fixed volume program was a little later secured the particular material handling. In, in the US, we have uh, the strongest uh, customers in the material handling, Terex, JLG, and others. So, so yeah, here you see the, the strong impact of Q1 23. And here we see actually the, the, out, the, the outlook for the second half is extremely healthy as well. Different picture for Asia, very clearly speaking. Yeah, China, um, I mean, after the, the, after the country opened, uh, it pretty much went down very quickly to, I wouldn't say a standstill, but a very, very low level. And that's why we are the outlook for China, for Asia, but China is our dominant country in Asia, uh, is, is fairly negative. We don't see that that negative for the group performance, because also fairly speaking, honestly speaking, profitability level in China is is the lowest of all the regions, so it won't hit our PL negatively. Sometimes it might, it even does hit our PL positively if we have less business there. But that's obviously something we want to change going forward. But it was important for us to shine some light on the current um, uh, level of the of the order intake. And um, second picture on that, and uh, to bring that all into perspective, uh, also with the sort of pre. Our COVID situation. You know, if you look at 2018 and 2019, we had high level of business, uh, more than 200,000 units sold in 2018, 190 in 2019. And you see these numbers represent here the order backlog. The three colors represent again the, the regions, uh, MAR, Americas, and Asia. And if we then, obviously, we took out COVID because the numbers just don't make sense because everything collapsed. But if you then look at 21, 22, and 23, you see how particular with the Americas and Asia, the order backlog grew significantly uh, by a factor of four, five, six. And um, that was mainly due to the fact that obviously supply chain chaos was so large that uh, customers also tended to overorder in order to secure that they get some deliveries. And uh, if you look at now 22, 23, well, 22, we closed with 181,000 units sold. Now this year, we're going on our guidance, 195. And if you look, the order backlog is not twice as large, but almost twice as large, particularly driven by uh, the much, much bigger bars in Asia and uh, in Americas. And now this is normalizing. So that's a good thing. The whole thing is normalizing. You see, EMEA is still on the on the level we had uh, we had pre-COVID, but uh, 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 the customer behavior starts to normalize, and obviously that leads to a, a perceivingly downwards trend in in order intake. But if you look at the absolute level, um, we're actually um, seeing rather stabilization than some negative impact, and that was important for us uh, to uh, explain that openly here. Uh, because it gives us and thus it hopefully gives you also the confidence that we are not approaching here a downturn, but rather a stabilization. 
Right, but I said let's rather talk about the future than talk about the past. Um, our value proposition going forward, we as a management team together with our teams clearly defined that. We defined our ambition, we want to become a top three independent engine producer by 2030 with off-highway competency as we are today, but also expanding where possible to on-highway. Today we're number four or five, depending on how you count. We clearly said we want to become entirely, entirely climate neutral by 2050. We need to transform our portfolio and help also our customers uh, transforming their portfolio. I'll speak a lot about that later. Uh, we see this from a financial point of view as a, as a cross-financing play, right? Because we are very strong and we have become much stronger over the last years in the whole diesel engine business, including also uh, the service business. We'll spend, uh, and Marcus also later, uh, some time on that. And with that stronger performance in the classic business as well as in diesel, we're going to fund uh, and finance the transformation. When we grow, we want to grow profitably, uh, very profitably, particular on classic and on service. And in the end, it's a value play. You know, we don't want to grow without paying dividends. Uh, we continue um, to be uh, a reliable dividend payer throughout that part of the transformation. Um, we ensure the world keeps moving. That is our claim, that's our ambition. And we do that across the fields we're today represented in. Construction, our largest field. Material handling, particularly in the US, our largest field. Agri, stationary equipment, and also others, which includes the torpedo business. And we do that in a technology open approach with diesel engines, with engines uh, powered by e-fuels, HVO, uh, hydrogen, and obviously electrical, but Marcus will spend much more time later on the technology approach. For me, it's just important to say we are here um, to ensure the world keeps moving, and we'll do that uh, in a technology open approach. But that's nothing new. Um, important is that, you know, if you want to have that claim, if you have that claim that we are doing that uh, in, and we're, and we're benefiting from important megatrends, that we are in, the, in areas where we not only have a right to play, but we have a right to min. And we'll took out, take out some key developments, some megatrends. One megatrend is urbanization and population growth. I think we all have concerns that the world population is continuing to grow. Uh, we, we see numbers of 10 billion uh, human beings by 2080. And um, obviously, more people in the world means people need food, people uh, need to live, need places to live, and people need to move. And that's just the three trends we are actually very strongly represented in. Agricultural equipment, construction uh, equipment, construction demand, and um, of course mobility. So that's one important field we're in and we're going to stay in. The other big uh, opportunity for Deutz is the whole uh, climate uh, protection and, uh, and energy mix. We all know that obviously with different speeds in different regions, we're going to see 50% uh, renewable energy by 2050. And that's a huge opportunity uh, for us that we're actually growing in not only a new drive system, but also in ecosystems and business models, models where I'll talk about later. And uh, obviously, it also means there's a need for more and different forms of uh, energy generation. Uh, gensets, for example, microgrids, all areas where we are somehow represented in today, but not uh, as big as we could be. And last but not least, the trend of e-commerce and digitalization, material handling, particularly in the US, but also in Europe, is a strong field for us. And we expect that, uh, we expect that market, that sector to grow 
by more than 7% throughout the decade. And uh, there is a higher need for material handling. The, the value chains become more localized. That, again, um, uh, will need more equipment, uh, particular equipment uh, powered by Deutz engines. And that's another huge also innovation opportunity for the ecosystems around the drivetrain. So what we clearly say, we expect the markets we are represented in to grow above, slightly at least above GDP throughout those, uh, the current decade. And um, moving now to technology. So today, we are focused rather on the lower power range, starting at 19 kilowatts, our smallest engine at 19 kilowatts, up to 250. We do have some products uh, uh, higher than 250 kilowatts, but the main focus of our portfolio is in that power range. And we're actually mainly in mobile equipment, whether it's going to be urban or whether it's going to be uh, remote. But we're not that strongly represented in stationary uh, equipment, which is urban or remote. So that's clearly a field for us uh, to grow, which we're actively uh, approaching with our portfolio exercises uh, uh, in, in, in the teams. And if you look at you know, the technology path, um, we see that here, obviously, for electrification, we expect that to grow fairly quickly in the lower power ranges. But if you look at medium to higher power ranges, there are different possibilities. There's the possibility, the already available possibility uh, using refuels. There's the already available possibility using hydrogen. We'll hear a lot about our hydrogen engine later. And uh, there's also the possibility using fuel cell. That's a field where we are um, where we're not that uh, largely represented in. And for the higher power ranges, and you know that's that's clear that it's going to be a future stronghold of Deutz. Uh, there's uh, the the path is already there, including actually uh, an important role which diesel engine will still play over the next decades. But obviously then also refuels and uh, hydrogen. So there is a high potential for us in diversifying. Uh, the portfolio in, into different technologies, particular when it comes to higher power ranges. If you look at how this translates then in our strategy, I think that's a picture which most of you have seen in several interactions on capital market uh, er, um, events or on one-on-ones. So where we are today is uh, here on the left-hand side. We produce and sell give or take 200,000 engines. On a good, uh, if the demand is strong, it can be 220, 230, but it could also be 180, 190. And today, this is all diesel. This is all diesel, and obviously, the, the large number, the volume comes from the lower and medium power ranges. And that area, and that, that diesel, well, it's still growing. It's still growing, but at some point, probably mid or the end of the decade, we expect here electrification to uh, start cannibalizing a little bit. And that's a chance for us. Uh, I'm starting now not with number one, but with number three. So that's where we have the need that we are offering here electrical drive systems. And we'll hear later that we'll have a lot of products available. But the demand of the customers is not as strong yet, because that's you know, still very strong with diesel. And then uh, and, and using this strong demand of diesel, but also the, the need for, um, the need for uh, electrification. We'll talk about the consolidation game later. And there is going to be a strong uh, area for us and chance to uh, play an active role in consolidation with the combustion engine technology, at least for the next 10 to 20 years. We've shown that here on that chart with a, with a slight area of gray. I personally believe that could be a much larger area of gray to grow. But um, uh, we will uh, go through that throughout the presentation. And on, then, obviously, 
Um, the role we have for the combustion engine for decarbonization is also strongly supported by use of refuels and hydrogen. Um, and uh, because that's already today available, at least for refuels, uh, the technology is uh, ready to be used for refuels. And last but not least, um, we see adjacencies to become more and more relevant for us because uh, when we want to serve our customer needs, um, they, uh, they have more and more also the desire to be supported by us in ecosystems around just the engine. There's more than just the engines, whether it's going to be different technologies, we'll come to that later, or also different business models. So that's our uh, overall path, uh, how we transform our portfolio over the next uh, years, and probably not only years, but decades. And that's how we translated it into our dual plus strategy. So first big block, we continue to grow our classic business by performance and consolidation. Uh, bring up the margin and grow and grow, also in particular inorganically. Secondly, expand our already very profitable service business uh, to fund the transformation. And last but not least, build up really a green ecosystem with product and technologies, and that's really focused investment, growth, and also to ensure the long-term viability of Deutz. If you now look at how we translate that into our value play, uh, particularly the service, because that's the big margin business, and um, we're already quite strong, but we'll show later that there's, more, uh, there's much more to come. The potential is still huge. The more we expand our service business, the more we lift up the PL. And um, we can do that, in particular, also with a rather quick uh, return on investment MAs. Uh, we've shown a few good examples the last years. So, if we grow the service business, it helps us really financing the consolidation in classic and also investment in green. And um, with that growing, profitable, consolidated business, we're going to really contribute to the green investments in the mid and long term. And um, if I now spend some time uh, on classic to start with. So the two big blocks, consolidation uh, and growth, as well as performance. And the market in the classic business is clearly showing tendencies to consolidate. There are players that are already leaving the market or that are considering leaving the market and that are going to leave the market. And we want to use these opportunities arising out of that by actively taking over business and really positioning ourselves as an active consolidator. We may call it sunset play. Some people call it last man standing. We don't like the word sunset play is, is nicer because last man standing at some point, the last man is also falling, right? That's not, uh, that's not the nicest idea because we, we don't want to be then at some point falling over. Um, and the other aspect is uh, improving performance. Um, we want to really make more efficient use of what we have, our existing capacities, and uh, Petra will speak a bit about that uh, in her part later. Um, again, all with the objective to become one of the top three uh, independent engine producers by 2030. When I talk about consolidation, um, we see that already quite clearly on the on-highway market, particularly in the automotive space. I mean, if you look back, the number of engine platforms has decreased significantly over the last 8 to 10 years, 17% from 15 to 2023, and we expect, or people expect, that uh, number to decrease further. And the logic is, is quite clear. There are more and more OEMs in particular. Obviously, they're out either outsourced or entering into partnerships when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to combustion engine platforms because volume decreases, so you need to focus your R&D. You need to focus uh, uh, other resources, production resources, capabilities, etc. 
And uh, Renault, for example, outsourced the ICE production to the joint venture with Geely and uh, other players considering and doing similar things, not always on the surface, uh, because obviously, particularly in countries like Germany, it is a, a critical discussion as well, but it's happening and uh, it's happening fast. So in our field, in our area of the off-highway, we see that we see it and we expect the same tendencies, just uh, a bit later, slightly delayed. And there are first examples, one we have actively uh, participated in, the one with Daimler. Um, uh, but there's more to come and there are lots of discussion happening in the background where we're also uh, taking part in. And that in the end, um, that benefits smaller scale, particular independent companies like Deutz. Because a company like us, we don't run the risk of perceived going into a channel conflict. So if you, the more independent you are, the more likely you are uh, an agreeable partner for uh, companies uh, entering into consolidation, accent, uh, into consolidation um, uh, options. How we approach that? Obviously, we want to do it as structuredly as possible. Uh, sometimes you need to take an opportunity when it's around. But in principle, we want to do it as, a, as, as, as structuredly as possible. So to do it in regions and markets where we already play a role, uh, which we know and also ideally in industry areas where we already play a role, which we know. So it needs to fit to our portfolio and to our markets. And not only for cultural reasons, that plays an important role as well, but also to really go and exploit and utilize synergies uh, uh, by output and performance. So that's one important aspect. And of course, it needs to be in alignment with our culture and our values. And when we took over earlier this year, uh, the IP uh, and the licenses from Daimler Truck, that is already a first, I think, very strong proof point that we do not only talk about it, but we we'll take it seriously. Um, yeah, that was our first point, as said. So what we did earlier this year, and we closed this uh, in the first quarter, uh, we took over the IP and the licenses of Daimler Truck's medium-duty and uh, heavy-duty engine platforms. And now the closing is completed, as said, and now we're into integrating everything, including particular R&D, uh, production supply chain procurement so that's a major project but it's going really well and we are already working here in tapping into new customer fields uh, because these engines really bring us new opportunities uh, which we haven't had so far before so we expect here the production of those uh, Daimler engines under our responsibility by the end of the decade 27 potentially 28 and uh, initially we're going to see a double-digit uh, top-line figure coming into our books uh, but by the end of the decade, it's going to be uh, a three-digit million euro figures, rough, roughly by 29. Um, other aspect of performance, pretty much, I would say, the success story of Deutz in the last year, um, that we uh, really completely redesigned, redeveloped our pricing approach. The go-to-market approach was well, completely new designed. We took, we took the opportunity which the market gave us because the environment in... 22 was obviously very, very challenging for every player in the market. Um, inflation was high, cost pressure was high. Uh, it was already starting in a, in a challenging situation in 22, but then when Russia attacked the Ukraine, the whole situation got even accelerated. And we reacted extremely early by February, where other companies, I believe, were just evaluating. We immediately reacted and we said, we're going to change uh, here our structures, we're going to change our approach. And we targeted, uh, we targeted to increase prices across the portfolio by 8 to 12%. We announced that in February 
And uh, if we look back what we achieved, we can say we clearly much achieved it. Marcos and the sales team have done here a tremendous job in uh, going to the customers completely different fashion and actually um, using also the self-confidence that we've got something to offer rather than just feeling, okay, oh, we well, can do only what uh, the customers uh, in the end um, want from us. So uh, that was successful. It helped us to repair some parts of the portfolio significantly. And it also, um, that was almost a byproduct of that exercise. We realized that then throughout 22 into 23 and potentially even into 24, for the, for the uh, smallest engine, the sub four liter, demand was so much stronger than supply so that we created and implemented a fixed volume program where in the end we secured more than 75% of our engine production capacity by fixed contracts to the customers. And that obviously gives us at the moment a lot of certainty in delivering here the, uh, the engines in that category, including, as Petra will explain later, ramping up a third shift here at the assembly line five just next door. So that was a very positive impact on profitability. It helped us doubling the margin from 21 to 22 and also enabling the next shift here into 23 and beyond. Um, operating performance indicators are also showing in the right direction. Uh, supplier performance is now back to above 85%. Uh, or, okay, the situation is much more stable than before uh, COVID and the start of the Ukraine war. Uh, customer delivery performance increased significantly, but here we have to be honest, it's not on the level we want it to be, so that was uh, that's certainly still room to improve. But what I like particularly is uh, that the efficiency uh, in production has grown 12% uh, per year, particularly in the area here for sub 4 liter, where we installed a new line in 2020 and things are moving not only in the right direction, but really strongly ahead, but Peter will explain more about that when she's going to present it. And the good news is always that's not the end of it. There is still a lot of more potential when it comes to operating performance. Um, let me move on to green. So here <coughs> the approach is obviously completely different than when we talk about classic and later on service. So first of all, we want to build on what we already have because we don't start from zero. We've got a lot here developed over the last five to six years. Um, we want to actively explore the opportunities the market is going to give us because it's a different market. Uh, let's always remember when we talk about combustion engines, obviously there are innovations, but there's a lot of progress is driven by the regulatory environment. Uh, when there, whenever there are new emission uh, rules coming in, well, then the companies need to see how they comply with that. But with the whole field of green, that's different because there are uh, no one tells you what product, what the product needs to look like. We need to actively develop the needs of the customers with the customers. And sometimes we feel we need to be even faster than the customers to tell them what they really need. And that's obviously a completely different approach. We'll come to why that is important later. Um, because we will also then uh, here creating, uh, we will be creating a new structure. And very importantly, we'll build ecosystems rather than just one product. Um, let me start with a short outlook on organization. Um, we have decided as board to create a new dedicated green organization uh, to uh, master and succeed in our transformation, um, to really give the green transformation a stronger strategic focus. Because otherwise, an organization like Deutz is focused very much on the operational 
day-to-day, sometimes firefighting in the last two years, no day was like the previous day. There was always something to fix immediately, a production issue, a supply chain issue, a customer issue. And when this is your environment, you're very good at fighting fires, but you're never good at developing something which is important in five years, because in that case, the urgent beats the important, and that is not a good ingredient or a good basis for transformation. So we said we need to give the green transformation a strategic focus. We need to become more customer-centric. I mean, that's what you always say. Everyone wants to become customer-centric, but we need to really support our customers developing, finding their needs. And that's something, because what is, what is challenging for us, as I said about the firefighting, it's not that our customers had no fires to, uh, to, 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 be, to be fought. So uh, here we need to become more customer-centered. We need to be faster in decision-making and ramp-up, and we need to be much more flexible than you are at an organization uh, like Deutsch, which has uh, next year a history of 160 years. So um, we will hire uh, an external uh, CEO to lead that, uh, to lead that, uh, that green organization, and that CEO and that organization will then report to the entire uh, to the business, uh, to the management board here. So there's more to come, but there's already very clearly, very clear statement. We're going to now take it very seriously, that green transformation. And not only focusing on the technology, but also particular on the go-to-market and on speed. We have, well, we built on what we already have, and that's quite a lot. So let's not undersell what we have, because uh, over the last years we developed um, uh, an electrification, a BEF uh, a toolbox with lots of products which are ready. We'll hear from Markus later about that. We developed the first um, hydrogen uh, combustion engine, the TCG 7.8, uh, which is ready for the market. And uh, we developed also first products which we would call as part of the ecosystems, the adjacencies, for example, the power tree, which you've heard before and which, by the way, we also show outside here in our little show area. And the focus right now is really shifting this, these products from pilot uh, into serial production. And there are quite a few uh, promising signals from the market and from the customers. Um, let me speak a bit about uh, the hydrogen combustion engine, our, I would call it almost a signature project in green, the TCG 7.8. And uh, we can imagine a lot of uh, different areas of application. Obviously, uh, stationary, I will speak a little bit about that. Uh, uh, in power generation, um, we have, and we're not going to repeat that because you've seen that many, many times, we have um, started this uh, demonstrator project here in Cologne with Rhein Energy, but we've got more to report on that right now. We are uh, exploring opportunities with uh, uh, rail applications on regional trains or special vehicles, pretty much trains which are uh, in use on uh, non-electrified routes. And we can also imagine, and not only imagine, we can use, we can uh, uh, see the hydrogen combustion engine in any other large off-highway applications uh, like excavators or in the mining area. And there is even the potential to go, obviously, on the on-highway business, but that's something which is not at the moment our focus. There's one um, very interesting area to explore for us. Uh, it's in China for the hydrogen combustion engine. So we are uh, at the moment in the process of negotiating a first serial order of 100 H2 engines, which will be run in gensets uh, in an industrial park in an area of China in, the, in Inner Mongolia. I spent three days there last week, and I, what I saw was 
very impressive. Uh, yeah, we have just shown some pictures here, but what you can imagine there is an area which is more than 40 square kilometers, where the Chinese government has uh, moved uh, about 60% of the semicoke production over the last two decades into this area to make, to pretty much take pollution away from the coasts. Like, you know, not solving the problem, but moving the problem somewhere else. That's what they've done, but at some point, if you move a problem and don't solve it, the problem does not go away. You just have it somewhere else. And now, with the Chinese, uh, with the Chinese uh, governmental strategy to become climate neutral by 2035, they say, okay, we're going to tackle that. And when you walk around there, you see, um, I think it's about 126 semi-coke plants. And a coke plant, I mean, it's a big industrial area. And what happens there in the end? Well, you produce coke, and as a byproduct, there is uh, coke oven gas going uh, well, in, there, in that case, in the atmosphere. And they're flaring it off. So you see lots of fires there. And um, so that's not great for the environment. It's also not great uh, uh, for, uh, for, for the economy and for the, uh, because you waste a lot of resources. And what they have in mind there is uh, to, 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 to purify that gas, which consists about 22-23% of hydrogen, take out the hydrogen pretty much and utilize the hydrogen to make to turn it to electricity. And that's a perfect area of application for our um, hydrogen combustion engine applied in a genset. So what we're negotiating with Emmet at the moment to deliver the first 100 gensets, potentially next year, and then uh, enter into a larger serial orders for that. And that is, uh, I think, really a fantastic uh, area of application for our product. And we'll believe um, once we show that this is working, we will see much, much more potential and fantasy coming out of that also in other parts of the world. So here again, more to come. But I think um, the first 100 products is already quite something to be, to be proud of. And uh, so it's a big step, at least, from one area, from one demonstration, demonstration with Rhein Energy to now 100 in China. Adding a bit of complexity, but um, that's something we are very good at. Um, yes, let me move on to the whole questions of ecosystems and adjacency. So it's extremely important that we as Deutsch transform here also our, let's say, mindset, understanding. If you enter the company, you see Deutsch, the engine company. And obviously, that's what we want to keep to be perceived as the engine company, but we want to be more than just the engine company. So, um, and that's why we need to understand what can we, what are really the customer needs in their own green transformation. And yes, there is the electrification uh, competence, particular for those players who do not have an own large-scale uh, electrification uh, uh, um, uh, competence center. Uh, including aspects like functional safety. Well, well, Marcus will also give some insights on later. There is H2 competence, and H2 is not only an H2 a combustion engine. It's all field around that, uh, fields around that, fueling, storage. This is, these are all fields where, uh, where a lot of players do not have expertise, and there's a lot of concern. And then, obviously, the question, are these new technologies stable in the use phase? It's not only TCO, but it's sometimes really stability and availability. And that's something where we as Deutz have capabilities. We have, we're offering a wide range of products. As you see, we have a deep knowledge of the customer needs purely because we've serving these customers for decades. And let's not forget, we have a very strong, very large service network all over the world so that the customers know when they install new products, in their applications, we don't let them, we don't leave them alone. So when they have a problem, we are around. And that's, by the way, a big difference from a company like Deutz to startups who bring uh, 
who bring premature products into the markets and then it's fire and forget for the customers. So that means it's a huge opportunity for us. We can extend here our role in the value chain. It's not only having a right to play, but it's having the right to win. And we can build and develop these green ecosystem around off-highway applications uh, using, as I said, our service footprint and uh, tap by doing that also into playing fields, into growth fields, which are today not part of our portfolio. And this is just, you know, how that looks like. Obviously, you're used to, or typically, uh, you want to stay very close to what today your core is. And that would just mean taking out a combustion engine and bringing in a battery electric system. But we want to go away from that as long as, uh, it's, as, long as it helps us supporting our customers in their own green transformation, going into infrastructure, digitization, and so on and so forth. Again, Marcus will go into more detail in, uh, in his part of the presentation. Let me move on to service now, the third field of our Dual Plus strategy. Here, this is already quite a success story over the last years. We started with the mere 250 million revenue in 2015. We grew that by 9% year over year. 22, we closed with 450 million. And we clearly stated by 25, we want to go into, we want to go on the level of 600 million. And we're well on track this year, probably just falling shy of uh, 500. And uh, let's remember here, the business is highly profitable. So we want to do that uh, with more M&A, because um, uh, there's still a lot of potential out there. Uh, we want to broaden our geographical reach with a focus on the Americas and on Europe. And we are also very happy to take over more service activities in terms of billable hours. We are very much focused on spare parts today, but uh, as you can imagine, uh, with the billable hours, there's a lot of money to be made and a lot of uh, trust to be won uh, with our customers. And we also want to obviously ramp up or further grow organically, um, uh, uh, really also actively targeting third-party business rather than just focusing on um, existing Deutz business. And um, one thing is clear, there is a lot of market potential out there, both in terms of market potential for Deutz itself, but also for actively going into third-party business, and that applies to both spare parts with a 16 billion global market as well as billable hours with a, with a 10 billion uh, euro global market. So we are very confident um, that with all our measures, we move here uh, that our share uh, uh, upwards to larger numbers. Um, and the plan is very specific, very clear for the next year in particular. Um, as I said, 600 million, it's a CAGR of 10%, so that's a CAGR higher than what the market is going to grow. But as I said, we're going to do that organically and inorganically. In particular for M&A, we developed very strict investment criteria. We want to do quite a few, but not too many acquisitions because an organization like Deutz needs to also be able to master those acquisitions. And every acquisition takes effort and time, whether it's going to be a 5 million business or a 500 million business. So it's all, it's all taking, uh, it, all, it all takes resources. So what we, uh, what we assess at the moment, we're going to do probably another four to five uh, M&As until 25. And whatever we acquire, it should have a sufficient number of technicians. So it's not just uh, it's not just uh, uh, for spare parts, because again, we want to improve here or increase our billable hours. There we need people for. Obviously, the margin needs to be higher than what we currently have as Deutz. It should not be margin diluting. It should be margin enhancing. 
And the growth rate we want to see there is positive over the last three years because it's a good indication that we're going to grow also in the future. And uh, geographically, as I said, focus on Europe and uh, the Americas. And typically, and that's not written on the slides, um, the multiples we pay for this are fairly low. So the whole question of, okay, what is this business doing in 10 or 15 years? Yes, it's relevant. We don't want to just buy something to use for three years, but it's at least almost a no regret moves because the multiples are between three and five at most, and they help us also in supporting the green transformation going forward. The two recent acquisitions we concluded uh, are perfectly in line with the criteria. Um, we closed, uh, at the end of July, we closed, we closed the acquisition of Hochschild in Chile. Um, so that's to on top revenue of 15 million euros, 17 technicians in two countries in South America. Uh, margin um, is well above uh, Deutsch, growth rate uh, 16%. And yes, in South America, which is apart from a little, uh, out, out, a little setup in Brazil, it's a really um, a new field for us and we're managing that by our US organization for the time being. Similar, um, but obviously also completely different in terms of geography, our current acquisition uh, called Diesel Motor Nordics, which uh, strengthens the Nordics in Sweden, Denmark and Finland. We also talk here about on top revenue of 10 million euros. We have 12 technicians, margin also well above Deutz and uh, growth rate over the last three years, 16%. So we show, you know, these acquisitions meet perfect our criteria. So will the next M&As we're doing in service. Um, but it's not only about growing like traditionally, organically or via M&A, it's also uh, tapping into new fields. And we have uh, started a partnership with a company called Talpa Solution, it's Essen-based company. Um, it's a telemetric solution called Fusion Hub, which really strengthens our digital business model or really actually entering into digital business model. And the rationale is quite clear. If you look globally at, industry, at heavy industry production, you can see that 5% of the global heavy industry production is lost due to, due to some unplanned downtime. And when you translate that into money, uh, that results into a problem for the industry of 600 billion euro. I'm not going to say we're going to solve all that, yeah, but it shows there's a lot of potential uh, to be attacked. And um, with Fusion Hub, we create a platform uh, using a telemetric box, which not only focuses on the engine, but also on other parts uh, of the vehicle. And uh, for us as Deutz, uh, it gives several revenue stream. So first of all, a recurring revenue stream because, um, well, we're selling, uh, we're selling these, uh, these, these boxes to the customers. And then um, the customers uh, pay a fee to be part of that platform. They can even build their own white uh, label app, um, which gives us some revenue. And, but that's all like the participation fee to an extent. But I believe or we are convinced more relevant is what we see on the right side, the revenue share, because if uh, we and the platform has all the information um, on uh, problems and data out of that vehicle, obviously we can we as Deutz can go much more targeted uh, approach here, uh, uh, our service business to them, and we can also sell access uh, to this platform for other players, like for example, a tire producer, who then knows exactly when uh, to have which product in store. So that's, uh, that's a, a new product, a new business model for us. And in year one, we can already see an order intake of 6 million euros, um, and we'll expect um, some strong growth over the next year. So it's a little, a little plant which is starting to grow, but it shows we're thinking well beyond the traditional service business. Um, let me spend a few words on 
our regional strategies, our regional footprint. So one thing is clear, our region EMEA, well, focus actually Europe, uh, not so much EMEA, but that's our largest region. In 22, it had a 61% share of revenue. Uh, it grew well, 20% uh, CAGR since 2020. And um, this is our home base. And we want to leverage this as our home base because we've got here the production footprint and we've got also good profitability. Uh, we've got very, very well-established customer base here. And that is clearly our home base, which we want to further strengthen. Construction, agricultural, and material handling. And also the focus on the growth and service, very strong in Europe, as shown by both the acquisition and the Nordics, as well as uh, the telemetric approach with Telpa. Um, but EMEA plays a very important role for our green strategy, because here we really want to move now from the prototypes to uh, at least small-scale small, small scale serial production, and most of the products and the projects we're currently um, following, as Markus will show in a few minutes, are here with uh, customers in Europe. So the strategic focus for EMEA is on all aspects of Dual Plus. In Americas, um, it's a, also a success story over the last years. With 23%, it's our second largest region. It grew tremendously since 2020, 40%. Uh, are, uh, so that's extremely strong. And obviously, here, as said before, we are particularly strong in the rental business material handling. Our largest customers are there. And uh, it's very focused on classic and service. Yeah? Green tech, obviously, yes, plays a role and will take every opportunity we see but the whole mindset in the US in our segments is not so much green oriented. It's rather, hey, well, diesel is quite a good product and um, please don't stop providing diesel engines. Yeah? So when, whenever we speak to American customers, we come back and say, oh, do we really need a green transformation? Yeah, let's talk to some European customers and when we get the answer to that. But it's a perfect example why Dual Plus makes so much sense because you can imagine you know, the people, particularly in the flyover states, they're very skeptical about uh, green transformation. And um, that's a good thing for us because it shows that uh, here the runway of the diesel probably takes at least five to ten years longer than it is in other countries. So the focus is, yes, as I said, also in service. I mean, just we, we opened, the, I think, the ninth Deutsche Power Center in the U.S. this year. We have a lot of uh, technicians in vans there, so it's a strong, strong development in service, and that's why the focus, I would rather say, is in classic and service and green, at least today, rather opportunity-driven. Asia-Pacific, a little bit the most challenging part of our portfolio, the smallest as well, 16%, grew the lowest over the last years, also driven by China, because it took them a long time, but it's still taking them a long time to get out of that COVID dip. So we want to expand the rather limited presence in China and obviously also APEC. And uh, we want to continue to ramp up here production uh, with more localized parts, China for China, but also where possible China for the rest of the world, where there is no issue with uh, uh, import tariffs and duties and logistics. And when I look at green, here we see it rather focused on the hydrogen technology, as I said earlier, because battery electric technology that's, and this not only applies for the car makers, that's where China is well advanced and there's not so much they can learn from us. But on the hydrogen, we've got not only a right to play, we've got a right to win here. Well, how this translates into numbers, Timo will spend much more time on numbers later, but I can't spare you at least with, uh, with that very high level bridge here. 22 are, we're closed at a, well, still small, but for given where we come from, not bad, 4.6%. and. 
we want to grow with performance and growth the two blocks uh, to the midterm target of six to seven percent in our classic business we are already well above the six to seven percent uh, i think it was almost nine percent first half year uh, 23 so we see there is potential and uh, the, the profitability growth comes mainly from classic pricing as i said earlier and the operational efficiencies service growth plays a very important role uh, let's remember quick our imna that helps a lot and obviously also will bring in our new engine products into the market and will bring them only profitably in the market that's a different approach than Deutz has done over the last couple of decades when we think about our midterm guidance looking at 25 we are well on track sales we see at or above 2.5 billion euros service at the 600 as i said well on track maybe shy of just shy of 500 this year uh, margin six to seven percent free cash flow margin four to five percent working capital needs to get down Peter will talk a bit about that um, uh, also as a result of the stabilization of order behavior and supply chain situations and dividend very important we want to maintain a stable dividend payout ratio which translates into increasing dividends in absolute terms because we're going to bring the net income gradually further up over the next years well also in terms of ESG, we're progressing well. Uh, the various ratings uh, show a clear upward or improving trend. And um, obviously, we do not uh, uh, engage into an ESG strategy to improve the ratings. That's just a side effect on, our, uh, on, our, on achieving our goal to become climate neutral by uh, no later than 2050. And um, if you look at our technology mix, and that here is the chart we've uh, shown earlier on the technology distribution on the development of the technology and here we translated that into the use phase emissions of our products and we can see we can say very clearly i mean we did our homework already all new combustion engines we bring onto the market are already refuel ready and when i say refuel i mean biofuels as well as as well as hbo so obviously the higher these refuels get into the use of our engines the lower the co2 emissions and um, in a theoretical hopefully it turns into real life scenario where 100 percent refuels were possible we could already reduce 90 percent of our emissions and when i say our emissions that's use phase emission and use phase emissions for our products account for more than 97 percent uh, of, of, of the overall emissions. So in production, the emissions are almost detectable in our side. So there is a lot, uh, there is a lot uh, of potential. And uh, it's, uh, we're, as I said, we're well on track. Obviously, we need to continue to invest into alternative drive systems. But already by simply uh, increasing the share of refuels, we can uh, uh, move very successfully and quickly towards CO2 neutrality. Trend summarizing our strategic approach over the next years in the short term, in the midterm, and in the long term. On classic, the short term consolidation, focus on performance, deals like the one with Daimler truck, preparing most, and that continues over the next, over the midterm as well. Obviously, further consolidation and integrating what we've done. And uh, in 2030, then at the latest, obviously, playing that strength out. In terms of green, now creating really the strategy and the operating model, including organization, organic, inorganic ramp up from prototype into serial. That is also throughout 26 to 2030. 
and uh, obviously scale that business up significantly beyond 2030. So that, that seems like a long shot, but we need to be honest uh, and show you the truth. This is in our industry not something where we need to be completed in two years. Service for the next two years really continue to reach the 600 million. Yeah, further increase third-party business. That's where really huge opportunities are around. In the second half of the decade, we will launch a second wave of M&A, moving to the next large number of service revenue, which one can imagine. Obviously, also entering into new digital business models, like um, the telemetric uh, example I gave earlier. And in 2030, at the latest, obviously, it's important to shift also the service focus from more from classic to green. And that's uh, great because then we're going to be around with a strong network and that's that helps us really in entering all this potential. So, and obviously in, in parallel, really strengthening our footprint in the various regions, but um, don't want to go through that in more detail. So, um, I hope that gave you a first well, insight, uh, run through our view on the strategy. Uh, later, uh, after a short coffee break, uh, Petra will then spend some more time on Classic, particular with a focus on operations uh, efficiency. Then we'll hear from Markus uh, more about service and green. And uh, last but not least, Timo will warp it up and translate that all into numbers. Uh, and um, then I'll give a short summary and then we'll have some time to go outside and see actually real stuff rather than PowerPoint slides. So for the time being, thanks for the attention. Let's enjoy some coffee and We'll be back in five minutes, right? Ten minutes? Yeah, just, uh, just very quickly, um, 15 minutes coffee break. Right. Maybe a little bit shorter than, uh, than initial plan to run a little bit of time. And I know... Disclaimer. As described in our legal section on our website www.seat11a.com, this publication is just for informational purposes only. This means it is not considered to give you any investment advice. Any opinion or recommendation expressed by the companies is neither given nor supported by us and should not be considered an investment advice from our side. Also remember that any opinion or recommendation expressed is subject to changes without further notice. The content itself is obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or timeline of its content. Seat11a.com and its employees disclaim all liabilities for any loss that may arise in any form from any use of information in the video slash audio and from our website. We neither express any opinion on the future value of any security or other investment vehicle, nor recommend any investment based on the information given. Please consider the publications and our website as a platform for companies to present themselves, but you need to seek financial advice from an expert regarding the accuracy and appropriateness of the material presented or recommended by the companies in the publication, as we are just considered a publisher. We may hold and trade any time securities in the presenting company, may it be a listed or private company. By consuming our content, you agree to these terms and the terms in our legal section on our website.